I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing, we're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024. And grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. I was 420 pounds with a 66-inch waist, um, a size 6XL shirt. Um, I was at a point rip where I, in in another year or so, would have been too large to shop out of a big and tall catalog. And I knew that I was overweight. I just, I, you know still i mean it was it was drive throughs and it was pizza and um over time you know became more and more and more of a food addict to the point where i got completely out of control how much do you weigh right now uh 145 i'm rip esselstyn the founder of engine two in season one of the plant strong podcast i'm going to be working with joe inga a New York City firefighter assigned to Engine 72 in the heart of the Bronx. Joe reached out to me to regain his lost health that has been spiraling out of control over the last 12 years as a firefighter. I've marshaled together a network of doctors, Navy SEALs, TV producers, fellow firefighters, and nutritionists so we can all team up to coach Joe and maybe even you. Along with motivating and educating Joe, I'm going to take Joe from a couch potato to a veritable sweet potato triathlete in less than six months. Join in as Joe gains traction and confidence and momentum with each episode until he truly believes he can become the man he was destined to be. Welcome to Plant Strong. Last week, we had our first check-in with Joe, and I want you all to know I am so proud of Joe. He is doing so well, and as far as his numbers go, he's down almost 30 pounds with his weight loss, his cholesterol, LDL, triglycerides, his lipid panel is improving rapidly, but I would be remiss to gloss over his slip-up at Burger King. 
Joe has a history of being a fast food junkie. And so I want to put a little weight on this. As I mentioned last week, mistakes are going to happen, right? That's just an undeniable part of, of being human. Um, and I want you to know that eating plant-based, it doesn't have to be an all-or-nothing proposition. But the truth of the matter is, you are going to realize your undeniably best results when you commit all the way. You're going to get the greatest results with weight loss, with your uh, lipid panel, as far as reclaiming your lost palate that's been hijacked from you. Um, you know, my father, uh, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr., loves to say moderation kills. I have a whole chapter in my second book, Plan Strong, called Lose the Moderation Mentality. So I want you to know, if you slip up, I don't want you or Joe or anyone else to beat yourself up, but I want you to dust yourself off and I want you to get right back after it. Now, getting back to Joe. Joe's in a bit of a different situation though. He's been very open about his fight with alcoholism. He's been sober for over six and a half years now and he is making it happen. But as anyone who suffers with an addictive personality knows, it's important that we are nipping this in the bud quickly and we're addressing any underlying stresses that Joe or even you might potentially be facing. Taco Bell's Cheesy Gordita Crunch. Warm flatbread covered in three melted cheeses, wrapped around a crunchy taco and topped with a zesty pepper jack sauce. For a textural taste sensation, think outside the bun. New, the French toast sandwich. Maplelicious bread, hugging that breakfast goodness. Can't wait for that sweet thing. Wake up with the king. With double cheeseburgers for a dollar each, I can keep the party jumping. McDonald's dollar menu. A whole lot of what I love for a little bit of change. What is it about fast food restaurants that make us drawn to them in some ways like a moth to flame? Well, I can tell you in three words. Salt, sugar, and fat. In Michael Moss's book, Salt, Sugar, and Fat, he talks about how these executives of the world's largest food companies, they have one job to do, and that's to maximize sales and profits. And they deliberately entice customers by stuffing their products with, you guessed it, salt, sugar, and fat. Dr. David Kessler, the former head of the Food and Drug Administration, in his book, The End of Overeating, talks about how these food manufacturers, these food giants, they put salt on top of sugar, on top of fat, and then they put more salt on top of sugar, on top of fat, and then they have the unmitigated tenacity to put more salt on top of sugar, on top of fat. And we all have receptors in our brain for salt, sugar, and fat, just like we do for nicotine and heroin and cocaine, but they hyperinflate these substances to the point to where our brains go off like a pinball machine and we are asking for more and more and more. And these are also appetite stimulants and we are essentially almost held hostage to these fast food restaurants 
and some of these, these food products. I was just interviewed for the exam room podcast, which is developed by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. It is hosted by Chuck Carroll. And I was so moved by our conversation and his personal story of food addiction and how he was able to conquer that and is now realizing health benefits from a plant-based diet beyond his wildest dreams that I asked him if we could turn the mics around and if he would allow me to interview him and see what advice he has for Joe and anyone else that is out there. You have an amazing journey yourself that you've been on. Not too long ago, you can oh, tell it's us been, when. Oh, it's been a number of years, okay. actually. We're, we're coming up on 10 years now. Okay, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and how old are you? 36. So you're 36 years yeah. old. And at the age of 26, you were pushing what kind of weight? 420 at my heaviest. 420 pounds. And putting it on fast. And how tall are you? Five. I'll lie and say five, six, but in reality, it's like five, five and a half. Okay. So I'm very short so, guy. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that you were morbidly obese. Uh, that would be the understatement of the century. Uh-huh. Um, I was 420 pounds with a 66-inch waist, um, a size 6XL shirt. I was at a point rip where I, in a in another year or so, would have been too large to shop out of a big and tall catalog. You know, you think 420 pounds, and you see these shows, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's certainly not a competition, but you see these shows like My 600-Pound Life, and, you know, some of the guys that are on there are close to, you know, six feet tall. So their waist never gets up to 66 inches. But if you shop out of these big and tall catalogs, in my case, it was more short and fat. But you really they will only make the the waist size up to a certain certain um, circumference. And, and I believe 70 was the cutoff, man. So I was I was running out of time. I was running out of time. Well, and how is it? Explain to me how somebody gets to 420 pounds, because I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure I quite understand how that happens. Doesn't happen um, overnight, and really, it wasn't until I started working here at the Physicians Committee that I really began to understand that it started very early in childhood. I was always overweight as a child, um, the chubby kid in class, and um, I remember being mortified. Um, I think in the second or third grade. Um, when I got weighed in at school um, and I was over 100 pounds and I remember like looking up to the the teacher and I was like man I gotta go on a diet and um, so that was the first time that that really popped onto my radar but I didn't really know what that meant Um, and so the the pounds kept piling on Um, nobody in my family really knew a whole heap uh, about nutrition Um, come from a single parent a household mom works, so there wasn't a whole lot of time for cooking. Um, was she overweight? Oh, yeah. Not not her entire life. She got heavier as she got older. Um, my dad was certainly overweight. Uh, he got up to probably close to 400 at his heaviest as well. So that, that really ran um, in the family. But, you know, when, when you're young and, and your uh, home-cooked meals are you know, French fries and um, baked beans and macaroni and cheese and hamburgers and things like that, then you're, you know, you're not going to be the skinny kid in class. So you're 420 pounds. Do you, 
do you have any other medical issues going on? Are you, are you diabetic yet? Are you hypertensive? Uh, hypertensive for sure. Uh, and well on my way to being diabetic. I was actually put on blood pressure medication in high school. I was 15 or 16 at the time. And my blood pressure was like around uh, 185 over 110. Um, sometimes it would get 195. I, you know, sometimes thought it would be a game. Can I ever make it up to 200? You know, teenager, what, you know, what did I really know? Um, but I was put on blood pressure medication and I didn't really grasp the, the gravity of that, you know, I mean, that's such a huge deal to be put on beta blockers when you're a you know, sophomore or junior in high school. But there I was, you know, and I knew that I was overweight. I just, I, you know, still, I mean, it was, it was drive throughs and it was pizza. And um, over time, you know, became more and more and more of a food addict to the point where I got yeah. completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. And I want to talk about that in a second. Sure. But before we do, um, like, so what did it, can you remember what would a typical day of eating look like for, for Chuck Carroll? Yeah. Back when you're, I don't know, 20, 21, 22? Yeah. So at my heaviest, you know, a lot of times I would actually skip breakfast, which turns out was a, a huge mistake. It is the most important meal of the day. And they're not lying when they say that. But then I would have an enormous lunch. Um, I remember 21, 22, I was working in radio. Um, I was working up the street at um, here in the DC area, a radio station, big 100.3. So this kind of fueled my obesity as well, because this was my big break on air. And I thought, wow, to be on big 100.3, I have to play this big Chuck character. And they played it up. And it was great. It was my first taste of, you know, celebrity if you want to call it that it was local radio and um so i would use that as my excuse to go across the street to subway and get a foot-long tuna sub uh, with extra mayonnaise and then uh, a six inch bmt on top of that course with the bag of chips and the large soda that goes with it um, and i know that that was that was a lot of food um, so i would come back to my office and um, close the door and uh, eat privately in there, you know, 18 inches of, of sub, um, and, and that would be lunch. Uh, on the way home, um, I would go to 7-Eleven and get like six items off of the rollers. What, what's a roller? What, what is uh, it? It's the thing where they cook the hot dogs oh. or they have taquitos on them. Like I was a big fan of the buffalo chicken taquito, and um, it got to a point at the 7-Eleven at one point, um, they knew I was coming in to buy cigarettes and taquitos. They knew I, w I would be there at like two o'clock every day. And so they would just have, have six fresh taquitos ready for me. Mm. And I'd get my Gatorade, pick up my smokes, my taquitos, and off I, w off I would go. And so that was my snack on the, yeah. the snack, mind you, on the drive home. Dinner was typically Taco Bell, and I would get $20 worth of food from there and this was 15 years ago so I mean they've raised their prices since then so back then I mean I was getting a good five pound sack of food and and crushing that um, and then um, you were just crushing it I was crushing and it, it was man. crushing you uh, uh, oh, in every way imaginable on nights when I wouldn't have Taco Bell um, I would order pizza but we would always get these flyers in the mail um, and they would advertise the office special, you know, five pizzas, feed your whole, uh, feed your whole office for uh, lunch. And, um, and I would do that. And uh, five pizzas would last me about, about two days. So I would eat one and then uh, come back and, and have another one later on that night. 
And these are probably with double or triple cheese. Meat lovers. Meat lovers. Meat lovers. <laughs> meat lovers. Or sausage meat lovers. And, or sausage and mushroom or the Hawaiian ham and pineapple. You know, it's, now, it's a sad state. Now, during during this time, are you also, are you, so you're smoking cigarettes. Are you also doing alcohol or drugs or anything like that? <laughs> I've never talked about this on my show. Um, but what the heck. Uh, yeah, I'll, ju- I'll just put it out there. Yeah, man. Uh, I was a, a major, major, major pothead. Like, mm-hmm. Some people think okay, marijuana not a big deal. Like, I have such an addictive personality; it was a problem. Like, I was getting high like five, six, seven times a day. Like, I was blowing an inordinate amount of money on marijuana, and so that that wasn't helping um, helping things either. Um, alcohol, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did enjoy beer, but that was never never my vice. Even though alcoholism runs in my family, um, but you know marijuana was <laughs> that was it for me man right. that was right. it so you've heard me talk about joe yeah uh, joe inga the bronx firefighter who's trying to reclaim his lost health battled battled some uh, addiction with alcohol mm-hmm. and now is trying to uh, embrace the the plant strong lifestyle yeah um you know the other day after being really good for for two months you know burger king was calling his name and he, he got the whopper I went through the drive-thru. Yeah. And what exactly did you order? I ordered a um, the original chicken sandwich combo, which is like okay. a fried chicken sandwich with uh, iceberg lettuce and mayonnaise. Okay. Right. And then it comes with a, a, a fries, a soda, and a Whopper Junior, which is like a burger with a lettuce, tomato, onion, mayonnaise. And I'm just wondering what kind of advice you could give give Joe and, and what he's going through right now because, because I'm looking at a man right now who I mean how much do you weigh right now uh 145 145 yeah you know you you look like you've got your shit together right wow we can cuss on this podcast <laughs> that's fantastic okay yeah and um anyway you're you're a uh you're representing the lifestyle yeah really really well yeah thank you and so yeah what, what would you tell a guy like Joe being yeah slips are going to happen and that that's part of it like any addiction um you know i I wasn't able to quit food uh and i'm going to put that one in in quotes you know we can never quit food but we can certainly quit the way that we've been eating and so it's just like kicking any other addiction you know you're probably not going to do it in your first try that's no different than every other time you hear somebody talk about yo-yo dieting that's exactly what they're talking about if they're not addicted then right at the you know finish line of their goal weight they go right back to eating chocolate cake as a reward and that's a whole other thing but for food addicts and people that just have these addictive personalities they're prone to addiction it is so important that you maintain this this belief that you can't have just one because one will hurt me one absolutely will hurt me because what that one does is it leads you to the next and the next, and the next, and the next. So just as I know that if I were to go downstairs and have one cigarette, I would then have one pack of cigarettes, and then another, and I'd be smoking two packs a day again. And that is not something that I want. And the same thing holds true for the same type of foods that get you up to 420 pounds, or gets Joe up to whatever weight he's at right now. You know, that's the same thing. So I know that Joe slipped and he went to Burger King, because he wanted to see if he could handle it, I, th- I think. Yeah. Joe, I-, I love you to death. I wish you all the success in the world. 
that is the worst thing that you can possibly do. Why would you want to reintroduce that into your system? I because think he, I think he, I think. I think Joe had been perfect right. for like two months, right. and I think he wanted to see, he wanted to test himself, and he wanted to see, okay, how does it make me feel? Uh, and I, you know, I talked to him, and he said he felt absolutely god awful yeah. inside, yeah, to vomit, you know, yeah. But it's like a curiosity, maybe. I, I man, I get it because yeah. sometimes I wonder that myself, you know, like it was so hard for me to kick Taco Bell, you know, I I would go through. At my heaviest, like I was a Taco Bell junkie. I was actually working at a Mexican restaurant, would leave there and go to Taco Bell afterward. So I had access to free burritos and quesadillas and everything I wanted, but Didn't it wasn't it. Taco Bell. What was it about the Taco Bell? I don't know, man. They must put crack in there or something. <laughs> you know, I, I've talked to Dr. Barnard about that on the exam room. Yeah. And it's it's the way that this food is just engineered and put together, man. I mean, it sounds like this big, wacky conspiracy theory, but they really do have people in think tanks to like, come up with ways to get people to eat as much of this food as possible. And I think that if you're prone to addiction or you're a food addict, man, I mean, they are going right to your brain and it makes it so hard to quit. And so, you know, I hope that Joe doesn't experience food addiction to this extreme. But, you know, I think that the story that I share that really hits home with with a lot of people who are super morbidly obese is, you know, trying to kick that habit of Taco Bell on many occasions when I would diet. And the first night, not feel great, but you get through it. The second night, you become, you know, kind of fluish a little bit and you get kind of cranky. The third night, I would lose all the color in my face and I would get really cold sweats and I would start to shake, you know? You're actually detoxing. It was a physical detox. It was absolutely a physical detox. And then that, that night, like after I'm feeling so sick, at some point it was like, boom, a switch flipped. And I got angry and I got violent. Not to the point where I was attacking anybody, but I had to hit something. So I got out of bed as sick as I was and I put my fist through a wall. That didn't do it. So I put my fist through a door because I wasn't eating a seven layer burrito. And it's it seems so crazy to somebody who may not be familiar with addiction or food addiction and in, in, in this case in particular, but it is real and it is a strong pull. And then because at this time when I was putting my fist through the wall and through the door, I was on one of these diets and I was doing well, you know, I, I didn't want to let anybody down, you know, I felt like people were counting on me. So I snuck out in the middle of the night, went to the 24 hour Taco Bell drive through probably one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, ordered my $20 worth of food, came back, binged, crushed it all, hid the, hid the evidence, and then continued on my merry way. I was a much more pleasant guy in the morning. Nobody knew why, but you know, and, and so that and so that lasted what th- three days and then three days yeah three, three days and then that and then you kind of you uh, succumb to the to the Taco Bell pole absolutely it it actually man you know what it, it took uh, I went to the extreme and I, I had um, weight loss surgery and um, I I didn't know anything about the plant based diet at that point yeah. um, I really wish to God that I did uh, because I think it would have done me a lot of good um, but at the same time I don't regret the decision because what what the surgery does is you know it gives you this three to six month window where you physically can't tolerate those foods so you're going to feel like crap anyway after the surgery so you might as well just go through the detox again at that same time and so that's what i did but the interesting thing is 
people still, after they make that radical decision to have that surgery, if they go that route, they still go back to those same kinds of foods. And what people don't realize about the surgery is when you go in there and they, the doctor's explaining it to you for the first time, a lot of these doctors will also say, well, if this one doesn't take, you can come back for what's called a revisionist surgery. Well, what does that mean if it doesn't take? Meaning, meaning if you somehow uh, out, 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 out trick it and you gain the weight back again? Bingo. Bingo. Because I've met more people that come to me and they say, Rip, I had the, you know, the gastric bypass surgery. Mm -hmm. I, I lost 120 pounds. And then two years later, I'm back up and then some. Right. Right. It's absolutely possible. It's it's not it's not yeah. a quick fix, man. Yeah. It's you know, if you, if you do not change your eating habits, if you do not change your lifestyle, you will re repeat it and be right back to where you were. And so the, what the revision of surgery does is essentially it goes back in there and it will tighten up your stomach for a second time. You know, I guess in my case, I did have gastro bypass. So um, obviously I, I didn't want that the second time, but it, it, it is my understanding that involves more staples. Mm -hmm. um, and essentially you're having the same thing done, but you, to the best of my knowledge, you cannot have it a third time. You can't have it a fourth time. How long ago did you have the gastric bypass? Uh, in September, so it's 2019. So in September, uh, September 1st, it will be 10 years. 10 years? 10 years. And so did you ever put back the weight? I mean, have, how long have you been eating plant-based? Uh, coming up on three years now. Never put the weight back on. Um, I know that you've had Dr. Loomis on your podcast as well, and he talked about after he went plant-based, he's in this narrow window where his weight really only fluctuates within like a 10-pound window or something like that. That's about the same for me. Mm. Um, and I'm so careful to not put those kinds of foods back in my system because you know, one, I, I know a whole lot more now about nutrition and, and acquired this amazing knowledge, which is so critical. But I'm petrified that if I do that, it's going to be like every other failed diet I ever went on. And I'm going to be right back at the drive through the next night and the night after and the night after and the night after. And I do not want to be that guy again. Maybe you've heard us mention the Engine 2 Rescue 10X program with Joe. As part of our support system for Joe, we've enrolled him in our online coaching program. What is it exactly? The Rescue 10X is a 10-week behavioral change intensive program geared towards helping people find their why and develop the daily habits needed to sustain long-term success with the Plant Strong lifestyle. We know how important it is to have a tribe to support you and celebrate your progress. A tribe can also help pull you over the hard patches and hold you accountable. With educational videos, live group calls with Engine 2 coaches, weekly workbooks, at-home exercises, and daily support in our online platform, we invite you to join the next Rescue 10X program and dedicate 10 weeks to changing your game. Visit Engine2.com for details. And use the code PLANTSTRONG for a $50 discount. How did you find plant-based nutrition? Very interesting story. Um, I actually uh, also still cover sports for CBS. And um, I was interviewing a professional wrestler by the name of Austin Aries. And he was like, hey, Chuck, uh, you know, I, I'm plant-based. I just put out this new book. It's, it's amazing. And uh, you need to watch this documentary. It's called... Um, what the health mm. that one had just dropped and uh, i did and i thought that i was a healthy eater before then and nope 
I was a I was a dairy junkie and I was eating a ton of chicken uh, chicken breast like they were going out of style. And, um, and this is this is after the ba- the gastric bypass. This is absolutely you're eating the chicken. You're ma- eating the dairy. You're doing all that. Eating salmon. Yeah. But, but because of your gastric bypass, and I guess the size of your stomach, are you? Were, did you feel like you were limited in how much of this you could eat at what's one sitting? Uh, your stomach is very elastic, so it will stretch back out and expand over time. So I can I can eat you know a, a really good portion of food now. So you know after a few years, it's your stomach's not the same size that it was, but mm-hmm. you can you can put it you can put it away if you want. Mm-hmm. So portions really aren't aren't that big of a deal anymore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what the health? Yeah. And now you're kind of light bulb goes off and you're on the way on your way oh 100 percent on my way i was um you know always a nutrition nut and uh, i was a reporter uh for cbs radio at that at that time and um you know i was just i was covering the most depressing stories in the world i mean you're a firefighter i'm sure that you've seen some things that you'd prefer not to talk about anymore and you know every day it was it was going to another scene like that whether it was you know a fatal or even if it wasn't a fatal you know a family loses everything you know in their home and and you just see the tears associated with that the sorrow the heartbreak or god forbid you know you know a deadly accident a murder whatever anyway you know one of the reasons why i went on this was there was a recent incident in october that really kind of woke my eyes up to a lot of a lot of things uh one of my best friends tom corcoran he's a firefighter in our firehouse him and i we were working in a different firehouse together and um he had the roof position in the ladder truck and uh we got called to a fire on on the top floor of the uh of the building and he went up the ladder and he fell off of the roof 35 feet and uh broke his back and this happened while i was in the engine and kind of saw him. I didn't see him directly fall, but I heard it. I could still hear the ring of the, the cylinder, you know, in my head constantly. I look around the corner, and there he is laying there. That takes a toll on you emotionally, and I wanted to do something positive with my life. I loved talking about weight loss. I loved talking about my story and trying to inspire other people, and so I then um, pitched the idea of doing this podcast to the physicians committee and um, they they really liked the idea god bless them and um, three meetings later we had a signed deal and, and the exam room has been off and running ever since how, how long ago was that uh that would have been october 2017 so a year and a half wow yeah wow yeah. huge congrats on that thanks man yeah thanks you mentioned um emotions a second ago and how you know the 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 murders the bad car accidents and all that stuff it takes an emotional toll on yeah. you I, I found that to be the case too as a firefighter when i was interviewing jd roth who is the tv producer of you know the biggest loser and extreme weight loss and the revolution and all these these amazing tv uh reality tv shows he mentioned to me that he, he feels that really to address um this weight loss you have to kind of first find out what's going on at an emotional level. Do you agree with that? That's definitely a big part of it. Um, emotion is is definitely a, a very big part of it because you do build this relationship with food, and it becomes a warm blanket. Um, it, it's a warm blanket when you're sad. It's a great thing to celebrate with when you're happy. You know, you, food is your friend, mm-hmm. and, and and a lot of times it's your best friend especially for super morbidly obese people, because 
a lot a lot of times in, in that case you become very isolated you don't want to leave the house either because you feel like crap or you don't have self-confidence and you don't have a whole lot of friends so everybody needs a friend so in my case you know my friend was taco bell mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know but if you had to point to like one like a, a deep-rooted emotional thing in your life that led to it i mean do, do you feel like you know what that is i mean and maybe we're going deeper than we need to go right now and just uh, i'm totally cool with that well well what the hell so uh when i was in elementary school um i had a, a babysitter that um got a little inappropriate with yep. me yeah um and i i didn't realize what what a toll that that took on me like that stuck with me and and certainly that was not the only thing and i'm not using that as um a, a total excuse but there's that scarring that builds up over time so that's one thing you know being a product of divorce was another thing you know dad moved away um, hundreds of miles away when I was very young why doesn't dad love me I don't know let me cure that pain with food um, then when you get overweight and you um, don't have the, the confidence and and you can't get a girlfriend you know that stings so what's your relationship within it's with food and then when you do get a girlfriend and this is honest to God true story when you do get a girlfriend and you're 400 pounds and, and you, you know, you think that you're on top of the world. But this girl is so ashamed to be dating somebody so heavy that she doesn't tell her friends that we're dating. She doesn't tell her family that we're dating. She asked that I not tell anybody that we're dating. And this goes on for a year and a half. And I tolerated it because I didn't have the confidence to say, hey, that's not right. I thought that that was the best that I could do. And so that's what I tolerated. And so every time this conversation would come up, you know, it was like being kicked in the jimmies all over again, like really hard, kicked in the jimmies with steel-toed boots. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? More pain. Where do you go? Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. That's, and that's, that's food addiction, man. It's psychological. It's emotional. Mm -hmm. It's physical. It's a whole bunch of things, man. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Are you... Are you are you seeing somebody right now? Oh, I'm married, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, good good for you. Thank you. Well, so what have you had to eat today? Can you can you let let uh, let Joe and those guys know? Yeah. All right. So breakfast this morning was actually uh, a, a unique one. I was uh, kind of in a hurry, so it was uh, I had a little bit of roasted sweet potato left over from last night, so I, I had that, and then I had uh, some carrots and some engine two hummus, and uh, and that was breakfast. You know, it's not your traditional bacon and eggs, but I don't you know, I don't miss that. You know, so like to me that was great. And yeah, come in here, and you know, come to find out that lunch was a couple of recipes right out of the engine two book. Man, I mean, there was this uh, steamed kale with a little bit of nutritional yeast and and uh, cheesy chickpeas, and I mean, it was just so good on top of a bed of brown rice. I mean, like, that's eaten right there. It was so good. It was simple, it was easy, and it was delicious. <laughs> delicious. That That's the most important part. You know, it can be difficult, but it's delicious. It makes the difficulty, you know, okay. But if it's simple and delicious, home run. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Chuck. Rip. 
this was just an unexpected pleasure. Thank you. And I, I appreciate you being willing to come on at the last moment. Sure. I appreciate your willingness to just kind of bear it all. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that will that will benefit yeah. from uh, from your from your courage today. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I want to thank my co-creator of the podcast, Scott Battisil and 10% Media, Lori Kordowich, producer extraordinaire and the Engine 2 director of events, Bumble Media for this podcast production, and Brandon Curtis for everything in between. Thanks to Whole Foods Market for believing in me and giving me a platform for the last 10 years. Special thanks to Joe Inga, our Bronx firefighter, for your courage to not only change your life, but also allowing us to share your story along the way. And lastly, I want to thank my father and mother, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr. and Diane Kryle Esselstyn, as well as all the Plant Strong pioneers who have been pushing this boulder uphill for more than three decades. As they say, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. And remember, if you're digging the show, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, let me say, peace, Engine 2, keep it plant strong.